Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast with your hosts, Jessica McIntyre and Quinton Cools. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Today's episode is Truth and Bias, News Media in 2020. Many of us have a desire to be informed and rely on various news outlets to provide our updates on current events. But are we able to implicitly trust the information we receive and the opinions we hear? How do we sort through differing opinions and find out what actually happened? Today, we will address questions related to understanding bias in news, identifying agendas, and seeking truth. Our guest today is Mr. Tim Gaglein. Tim served as a special assistant to President George W. Bush from 2001 to 2008 as Deputy Director of the White House Office of Public Liaison. Tim is currently the Vice President of the External Relations at Focus on the Family based in Washington, D.C. He's also a senior fellow at the King's College. He's the author of multiple books, most recently The American Restoration. And Tim is a friend and regular speaker at Teen Pack Back to D.C. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Quinn and Jessica, it's uh, really an honor to be with you. Well, thank you, Tim. Uh, Our first question is to provide a little bit more of a background for our listeners. You previously worked for President George W. Bush's administration. Tell us about how you got involved in politics and what led to your role as the president's special assistant. One of the great blessings of being a Christian uh, is that if you get out a legal pad of paper and scratch down when you're young, you know, what your life trajectory or plans are going to be, uh, uh, not always, but often, uh, you can put them in the paper shredder uh, because mm-hmm. Providence has a way of intervening, not at the moment when you most expect it, but at the moments when you least expect it. And that was truly uh, the instance in, in my own life. Um, I, from a a very young age, knew that I wanted to be in journalism and specifically broadcast journalism, uh, both in front of the camera where I was comfortable and and especially behind the camera. I liked uh, producing, writing, editing, and preparing uh, the news. And uh, I'm 56 years old, born in 1964, the last year of the baby boom. Uh, And in those days, you know, if you worked hard and smart, uh, you might end up in a place like uh, New York uh, or Chicago or one of the larger markets. And that's what I wanted to do in broadcast journalism. I graduated from the Ernie Pyle School of Journalism at Indiana University. Uh, thought that that was my trajectory. Lo and behold, I became uh, an intern in Washington, D.C. Uh, and within two years, I was working on Capitol Hill. That turned into a decade in the Senate, eight years at the White House, and now I'm in my 13th year at Focus on the Family, all in Washington, all in the public square, uh, and almost none of it in broadcast journalism. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that we could have you on to discuss this particular topic, because it sounds like it's one that's of great interest to you. Uh, The media has uh, sometimes been referred to as the fourth branch of government due to their influence and the responsibility they have in reporting on government. Do you find that this is true today? And in your view, how has media coverage changed perhaps since you worked at the White House? 
I love that question, and I love the premise of the of the historical nature of the question. I have a very dear friend, Harold Holzer, uh, who has just written and prepared, I think, the finest single book on the history of presidents and the press. And I think it is fair to say, objectively, uh, that from the very beginning, presidents and leaders of our country were uncomfortable with journalists. Uh, there's almost a built-in tension when you have a free press, you know, between the political class, uh, regardless of which of the three branches of government they're in, uh, and the media itself. And so I think it is fair to say, I think it's objectively true to say that when a healthy media is doing its job, there is always natural friction and, uh, you know, and tension. But I think, unfortunately, uh, Quinn, we have stepped over into a new era. We've stepped over into an era where objective, fair reporting is increasingly very difficult to find. And whether you're a man or woman of the left or right, seeking fairness, seeking objectivity, relative objectivity, uh, seeking just the straight line reporting of the news, it's very, very difficult. We have entered the era, I think, of fully opinionated journalism. I think it's bad uh, for the public square, and I think it's bad for journalism. Uh, my hope, my prayer, is that we will return at least to a semblance of fairness, because it's not a current healthy uh, uh, service to democracy. And I think mostly, uh, you know, around uh, the rail, uh, that no one really benefits from this kind of biased, uh, opinionated era of journalism that we have entered. Yeah, so in this era of opinionated journalism, it seems that even particular media outlets or organizations tend to report the news from a particular perspective, a narrative or worldview. Um, there are far left-leaning news sources. There are far right-leaning news sources. Um, and sometimes these are simply just different perspectives on a particular situation. Uh, but other times it seems that uh, these news organizations will report even different facts um, or, or in how they choose to report, they report completely different things. Um, so do you think that this is what indicates bias? So take, for example, uh, I looked up a headline of a recent uh, statement that President Trump made, and one news source uh, said it this way, Trump launches unprecedented attack on military leadership that he appointed. And the same story, but a different headline. President Trump says top Pentagon brass seeks war to keep defense contractors happy. To me, it seems as though the one is falling in line with a particular narrative and has a particular leaning. And the other, while on face value may seem more fair, may also be protecting what information could be in that article or have been in that original source. How do we even start to identify bias in news? I love that question again, because you've used real world examples. Look, if you're standing on one side of the street and I'm standing on the other side of the street and God forbid, you know, a bus hits a car, whether you're on the north side of the street or the south side of the street, you and I will both in good faith say a bus has hit a car. 
right? Uh, you know, a very uh, a great U.S. senator once said that everyone's entitled to his own opinions, but not everyone's entitled to his own facts. Uh, the minute that you say that it was a speedboat that hit a dog, and I say that it was a subway, you know, uh, that, that hit a bicycle, all of the sudden, uh, we have entered into, uh, you know, a disagreement, not about the basic premise of facts, which arise, uh, God willing, from objective truth, but we have now entered into what constitutes a bus and what constitutes a car. And, and this is the era, unfortunately, that we are in. It sounds absurd to call a bus something other than a bus, and it sounds absurd to call a car something other than a car. Uh, but that, that is in part the era of, of bias that we have entered. But I think it's even deeper. And I love Teen Pack. I love everything that you do. I fully endorse Teen Pack. And we at Focus on the Family love Teen Pack. In part, here's why we love you. Because when you work with young Americans, the rising generation, I might say the best of the rising generation of young Americans, uh, what you all deal with from the very beginning is the idea that objective truth exists, uh, that Jesus Christ actually was a real person, but at the same time, he was also God. That is the most basic premise in the Christian worldview, God and man at the same time. In, in other words, you rightfully say that moral relativism, you know, is, uh, is to be avoided. Uh, you, you rightly say there is objective truth, and he is a person. You say that objective truth emanates from a worldview rooted in something and someone who is tangible. You know, this is the, the very basic premise uh, of life itself. And when we begin uh, to become comfortable with moral relativism, when we begin to come co uh, become comfortable with situational ethics, you know, mm -hmm. that there's not really a right or a wrong, a true right. or falsehood. That's where, in my view, we go off the rails. Excellent. Yeah. And it seems to me, Tim, that this bias is not even exclusive to media organizations. It, it seems to me that it is um, true of the human condition that we uh, that we are limited on the one hand, but also sinful and have uh, ulterior motives um, that are not always pure. So, you know, as we seek to examine news media from this perspective, you know, there's kind of this thought of if everyone's biased, how can we trust the media at all? Is there such a thing as a fair and balanced approach? In fact, I think it was just three years ago, Fox News dropped that that headline that they'd, they'd used for many, many years, fair and balanced. Um, and, you know, or an example perhaps from uh, World Magazine that I really appreciate. This comes from Joel Bells. He had a 2017 article called The Admission of Bias. And he said that we not only admit our bias, speaking for World Magazine, we're ready to state right up front what we base that bias on. We've been upfront about the basis for our bias. Will you tell us how you get yours? And I really love that because I think it challenges um, everyone, all news media, to recognize their own bias. Would you would you agree with the premise that all news media is biased to an extent? And 
should they in some way disclose from what perspective they're coming from? The answer is I absolutely do. And and may I say, in the three-layered way in which you presented your case, uh, I could not agree more. So let me just sort of unpack that very quickly. Point one, we all bring to every story our own experiences. That is just absolutely the case. You know, I was born and raised in the Midwest. I was born in a Christian home. I went to a large public university. You know, uh, necessarily, I am going to bring, uh, you know, to the basic reportage uh, of even a basic story, uh, my own experiences. You know, secondly, uh, the idea, and I love what you, what the way that you you introduced this question, because what you said is we are all sinners. You know, we are living in an era, uh, a Quinn, where uh, many people will say there is no such thing as sin. Uh, there, is, there is no such thing objectively as as right and wrong. There's no such thing as a as a fallen human nature. Uh, you know, when you get into these uh, existential questions uh, with people, it's one thing at a philosophical or theological level, but it's quite another when you take uh, a moral relativist and you say, go report on uh, the president, go report on the Senate, go tell us your view of America, go tell us your view of the Bible or whatever. So I think secondly, you know, that's where this concept of worldview really, uh, you know, meet, meet, you know, meets the reality um, of this very large topic that we're engaged in. But I want to say the most important thing, or at least suggest the most important thing. Uh, I would, I would say to both of you that truth has become the great casualty of our age. Um, you know, if. Uh, you are engaged in an era of genuine spiritual crisis, and I believe that we are, uh, with far more than just two sides. You know, I think that that's a bit too easy. But I, I think that when we all are willing to say that truth itself has become a casualty, then you begin to apply it to the law and legal profession. You begin to apply it to the media. You begin to apply it to universities, colleges, and education, and down the line it goes. Absolutely. So I think Joel Bells was making a very important uh, point, and the premise of your question, I think, is well taken. It seems to me that for us as consumers and for many of our listeners on the Teen Pack podcast, um, discovering even what that narrative or worldview is behind an organization or uh, media personality can be difficult at times. Uh, in, in one sense, it may be easy because you watch uh, an hour of, of a particular political show and, and you can you know, if you think critically about it, you can probably pick up on from what perspective they're coming. But in other ways, I think we fail to think critically about from where these sources are coming. And I'm curious, you know, if you could maybe speak to this where, you know, if we agree with everything that uh, Sean Hannity says, or if we agree with everything that Andrew Cuomo says, I think that should make us question if we're actually thinking critically and using our minds to apply biblical principles and wisdom in God's world, could you kind of speak to how we actually start to identify bias? Yeah, I, I, I can. And, and, and I know, uh, you know, unpacking, you know, a question this large is important, and I want to do it with brevity, and I pray with clarity and goodwill. 
you know, there was a time not very long ago, you know, and this is not mythology, um, but both of our political parties in the country actually agreed on the most basic questions. Both of our political parties uh, agreed that, uh, that, that religion was a good thing. You know, that the Judeo-Christian uh, uh, principles were a very good thing uh, and, and that they formed the basis, broadly speaking, uh, of the concept of, of um, you know, America's barometer of what was acceptable and what was not acceptable. Both political parties held in very high regard uh, religious liberty and the rights of conscience. Both political parties uh, thought that family, marriage, and parenting was a really good thing. You know, both political parties had a bias uh, toward human dignity and through the uh, and toward the, the you know the, the dignity of every single person. You know, now this was applied imperfectly. You know, uh, and, sure. and, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not suggesting, you know, that 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 partisanship left or right is kind of the, you know, is the is the basic premise for, uh, you know, the 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 the, the, the larger ethical questions of the American experience. But in light of our conversation, mm-hmm. what, what we have now, I think, Quinn, is something utterly different. And I'll, and I'll use a real world example, as you've done, just as a premise for what I'm saying. Uh, you know, I remember many years ago during the Iranian Revolution, I remember as a boy watching television as the American flag was burned in downtown Tehran, you know, with all of these uh, people yelling death to America. And I remember thinking, uh, wow, this is, you know, this is really hard to watch. Uh, you know, now you fast forward to 2020. Uh, I live and work in Washington, D.C. You know, just a few months ago, uh, I was uh, witnessing uh, people, you know, in American streets, right, uh, lighting the flag on fire, uh, you know, and saying uh, essentially death to America, death to the American experience. You know, bringing down this particular statue or monument is not just bringing down a statue or monument, it's bringing down the American way of life. So I think that we have entered into oceanic deep water uh, where we don't even share any longer a basic premise about the most basic things. In this case, the concept and goodness of a constitutional republic. So if that's the case and we don't we no longer share this basic premise that you're talking about and also you know, hearkening back to what you said about truth being the great casualty of our age, then is bias then something we should avoid or or if not, because we've kind of already established that there is bias wherever you go. You have bias. I have bias. But is that when we recognize it in something like the news, uh, media outlets, is that something we ought to avoid or if not, then how do we discover truth, the, the facts, as it were? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm going to suggest something which sounds a bit cat and mouse, and I don't intend it to be cat and mouse, but 
uh, you know, I've given a lot of thought uh, to, to, to the question that you're, that you're asking, and, you know, I'm thinking of it in the applied world. Uh, you all know that in the old-fashioned thing called newspapers, right, uh, now applied to television news or social media, when we have a senator, let's say, from Massachusetts or a senator from Alabama, when we have a mayor from Toledo or a mayor from uh, Los Angeles, uh, it is standard operating procedure that after, you know, the name of, say, Susie Smith or Jimmy Jones, uh, we put a D or an R uh, next to their name. Uh, if they choose, we can put an I for independent or an S for socialist. You know, th th this is a kind of uh, international rubric so that we understand at a very basic premise, you know, what is their partisan connection? Uh, you know, I, I, every day of the week, I read the Washington Post, I read the New York Times, I read the Wall Street Journal, I read both the news pages and I read the opinion pages. I think what would be a very good idea is that after uh, every one of those reporters or correspondents uh, or opinion writers, news or opinion, uh, that we uh, put uh, the same kind of demarcation after their name. Let's uh, have a better idea of whether they are hmm. a Democrat or a Republican, an independent, a socialist. Uh, you know, if we want to create, you know, other limited numbers, you know, of demarcations that better inform the reader or better inform uh, the person who's going online, that would be useful. That's and fascinating. I think, I, I think what we will find in short order, uh, overwhelmingly, by the way, is that the overwhelming number of editors, writers, producers, correspondents, the the you know the, the formal news generators, I think we will find overwhelmingly uh, that 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 they share uh, a, a a worldview uh, that is mostly not in sync with a large number of their own listeners and readers. Tim, thinking about your experience with news, even as a consumer, um, you have, uh, I would say, a very sophisticated way of, you know, reading through several different news sources. Um, many of our listeners um, have a particular news source, probably, that they go to, um, and perhaps multiple. Um, in my experience, I've, I've chosen to find a what I deem to be a, a far le left-leaning and another far right-leaning source, and I tend to get my news from both and compare. Um, could you provide any input as to how you might suggest people um, try to seek the truth as they as they receive media um, in 2020 and beyond. Yeah, I, I, I must say, I, I think the premise um, of, of that point uh, is almost a moral obligation if you are uh, interested in the affairs of the public square. I think it would be extremely unhelpful and I might say, you know, unnourishing, you know, if I ate only pizza and hamburgers every night, you know, uh, I might enjoy pizza and hamburgers, but after a while it would become, you know, uh, ra rather predictable. Um, I, I think it is important uh, in the consumer uh, area of the way that we all, you know, uh, absorb the news, whether it's social media, uh, television, the cables, radio, et cetera. I think it is really important uh, to get, uh, as you've said, uh, a, a wider uh, scope, uh, you know, of, uh, of how, 
uh, knowledgeable uh, people, good sources, how they uh, look uh, at the news. I think that that is a very uh, good way, uh, you know, to, to better absorb the, the wide variety of opinions. I, I do want to say one thing, because I think Jessica raised a, a point, and I, I meant to address it, and I think it fits in uh, almost perfectly with what you've just asked. You know, I, I don't think as Christians or conservatives, I don't think that we have to leave our Christianity, right, uh, or our particular political viewpoint at the door, you know, when we when we go to become a journalist or when we go to read a newspaper, uh, you know, whether you're the newsmaker, whether you're the news recorder, whether you're the consumer, I don't think we have to put aside, you know, uh, our, our own experiences and, and the things that define us. Uh, and, and I don't, I, by the way, I'm not suggesting either you think that either, but I'm, I'm just saying, I think it's important that we are able to say, look, this is what I believe. And I believe sure. my, I, I bring my own beliefs, you know, to the way that I understand this situation. Uh, you know, it's one of the things we do in raising our children, right? You know, we, we, we give them the gift of a worldview and we ask them to be serious about it. Uh, but I think we live in a world with lots of worldviews. Uh, and uh, I think it's incumbent, uh, you know, upon uh, those of us who are Christians, and it's incumbent upon those of us who are not Christians, uh, you know, to bring goodwill and good cheer and, and a sense of gravitas and, and ballast, you know, into this project. Uh, because if we don't, uh, we will end up with something unlike the United States of America. And it's important that we work overtime in the public square uh, to show ballast and goodwill uh, overwhelmingly to those people who do not agree with our own quote unquote take, you know, on, on the day's news. Well, Tim, I know we could keep talking about this for a while yet, but we'll go ahead and wrap this up here. And that would just be by asking you, what is one thing in light of, you know, this this pretty broad topic, but very important one, as you've pointed out here, what's one thing you would like to leave our listeners with in light of this discussion about truth and bias? I think the thing I would like to leave us with is that, uh, at least I'm speaking from a very personal standpoint, that it's awfully easy to become discouraged and despairing in the time that we live in. But the fact of the matter is that in the Christian life, discouragement and despair is a sin because it negates the hope of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I'm an incorrigible optimist, and I really genuinely believe that America's best days are ahead of us. You know, nations like individuals go through very difficult periods of time, and, you know, no holds barred, we're in one. Uh, but I'm a hopefulist, and I am very hopeful that people of goodwill from both sides of the proverbial aisle will at some point uh, gather the better angels of our nature, you know, uh, and say it's really important that we preserve what Lincoln called the last best hope of Earth, which is the United States. This is an exceptional and extraordinary country. Uh, and to keep it so, we have to find a civil and magnanimous way uh, to, to speak and to debate and to have dialogue in the public square. And I think as long as we have people of goodwill, uh, you know, from every aspect working toward that, you know, and I do mean deliberately working toward that, uh, that then I do think 
uh, you know, better chapters are ahead for America. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Team Pact podcast. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks, Quinn. And uh, God bless everything that Team Pact is doing. So our conversation with Tim established that bias definitely exists. You know, you have bias, I have bias. It's in the media. It's it's very prevalent. I love when he mentioned originally both sides of the aisle, you know, there was these basic understandings that we both agreed on. And yet now it seems that we've kind of transitioned over to more of an opinionated journalism. That was a phrase that he used that was really key that stood out to me. And it's less, all right, here's the raw facts and figures and truth, but here's an opinion. And it's it's very much driven by that. And so we see that in all of these different right. media here's, sources. Here's my perspective and here's how this fits my narrative and mm-hmm. And my truth, you know, it, with a small T, he said that, you know, truth is the the one thing that has been the great casualty of this change. And I think I think what he most identified was that objective truth is what we need to return to, because even as a fundamental to the Christian faith, we, we need to hold on to that. I think, you know, what this means for us is that we need to be vigilant to discover the truth. We need to, um, even in our, in, even in our intake of news, we need to, to really consider what is this news source's bias? What is their worldview? Mm -hmm. From what perspective are they coming? It may be biblical. It may be unbiblical. It may be left of center. It may be right of center, but we need to think critically about Mm -hmm. that if we're going to receive that news from that source. Yeah, he even used the term moral obligation with that. And there's a lot of weight behind that. And I know that's very weighty for me personally to hear. I'm not somebody who has always been super intrigued by politics and news and media. And it's all very fascinating. But oftentimes I find I simply don't have the time or whatnot to dig into that a little bit deeper. So what about for the people who maybe don't have that time to be able to dig into so much? Because there's information overload out there. So oh, how do sure. we how do we sift through that to kind of get to that point of f- fulfilling that moral obligation of seeking truth and seeking to understand what are some practical ways that we can do that and carry that out in our life? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people to your point, will um, feel like it's just too overwhelming to even begin. But I think you need to begin. Like, I think you need to start somewhere. So some practical encouragements for that. I mean, today there are a number of really good podcasts that are put out either daily or weekly um, where you can get uh, kind of regular news from a particular source. You can, I mean, there's some really good daily emails or weekly emails where they'll consolidate headlines for you and give you kind of a fast, quippy, you know, take on a particular update. You know, if, if President Trump said this and Tesla said this and, you know, all these different things that are in the news, but it but it's presented in 
in a fun and engaging way. It might take five minutes to, to read through. Um, there's different apps. There's websites. Really, it's a matter of um, starting somewhere um, and knowing where that source is coming from, taking time to discern that, um, having conversations with trusted family and friends about these different news sources. Because like we've established, there there is bias that exists, but we need to be seeking the truth. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Team Pact podcast focused on the 2020 election. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at teampact.com or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.